Peter, who walked the earth with Jesus as one of his 12 disciples, leaves us two letters where he instructs us how to live a life where we thrive. So I encourage you to join us as we go through the final lessons that come from Peter. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Care Ministries podcast. We are so glad that you're with us this week. And we are in week two of our podcast series covering First and Second Peter. And we're calling it Thrive, the final lesson from Peter, because very much these letters are sort of like the dying words of Peter. This is his last advice to the church before he passes. Um, and so this week we are on chapters two and three. Last week we looked at First Peter chapter one, and this week we're going to look at First Peter chapters two and three. And I want to encourage you, if you have not read that yet, because we can only do sort of a cursory glance of these mm-hmm. books. We can't go too, too deep, and we can't even hit all the points. We're just going to hit some highlights. So we want to encourage you, stop the podcast if you haven't already Read chapters two and three of First Peter, and then come back. Don't forget to come back. Read it, and then come back and listen <laughs> and listen to the rest of the podcast. So, as I said last week, we talked about uh, chapter one, and we talked about the idea that we're looking at obstacles to the Christian life, and the struggles that we face, and the trials. Um, and we talked a little bit about holy living, and that's sort of where we landed at the end of chapter one in first Peter was the idea of holy living and what that looks like. And Doug, you talked about that. And so of course, when this was written, there were no chapters, there were no verses. So this rolls right in chapter two rolls right in from that idea of what does it look like to have a holy living, to live a holy life and to be set apart. That's what holy means. We talked about that last week to be set apart for a purpose. And we and we want to encourage you if you're going through this, we're going to hit some hard stuff. If you feel challenged by these things, dig into it, lean into it. Mm-hmm. Ask God what he wants you to know. Don't just yeah. go, I don't like the sound of that and move on to a different book that is mm-hmm. a little bit easier to comprehend. So one of the first things that we see in chapter 2 of 1 Peter is this idea of being a living stone. And it talks about Jesus being the cornerstone and us being a living stone. And that starts out, I just want to read very quickly. We obviously can't read the whole thing, but the beginning of verse 4 in chapter 2 says, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone. It's important that it says living. He's the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And then verse 5 says, and you are living stones, also living. Hmm. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. So catch the significance of that. Christ, who was rejected by the religious people, who was rejected by the world, is the cornerstone of of God's spiritual temple. And then what does Mm. it say about us? That we are also living stones being built into that temple. Mm. And we're not only part of the temple, but we are the priests of the temple. So to me, that means that we have a purpose, not only in building the kingdom, but we're actually an integral part of the kingdom 
and we're also integral representatives of the kingdom. So we're just not walking around the kingdom as a citizen. We are a stone in the temple. Mm-hmm. And we have a purpose as priests of the temple. So then he goes on, Peter goes on, and he points out that this has been the plan all along. He quotes from Isaiah. He quotes from the Psalms. He quotes from uh, Hosea. All pointing to the fact that Christ was going to be rejected, but that rejection was going to bring him to be the living cornerstone of the temple of God, and that we, from the very beginning, the plan all along was for us to be part of being built into that temple, being a part of the temple, Mm -hmm. the body of Christ, and that we would have a purpose in serving the temple. So Christ was always going to be rejected, and he was always going to choose those who would be built into his spiritual temple. Then if we move down a little bit, we see in verse 10, and this is when Peter is actually quoting from Hosea. In verse 10, it says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And so I think one of the most powerful things as we're thinking about how do we go through the trials that we face, and last week we talked about being kingdom-minded and looking through an eternal perspective instead of a right-now perspective. Mm -hmm. But one of the ways that we do that is to really recognize what we've been offered, Mm -hmm. that we used to have no identity, and now we're part of the temple of God, that we used to have no purpose and no mercy, but now he uses us as priests, and elsewhere in the Bible it says, and kings of his kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very significant to not only understand, I think many times when we look at this, we focus on the fact that Jesus is the cornerstone, and of course that is the major point. But let's not miss that we are also living stones that are built with Christ into the temple of God for a purpose and for meaning and to experience mercy and to have an identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I think in that purpose, we move into the world and we have things that God wants us to accomplish. And sometimes part of the tool he gives us, if we use it correctly, is marriage. Yes. And that's what Peter goes into next. So I'm going to hand that off to you, Doug, since you are our marriage pastor. Yes, yes. Yeah, I love the fact that we can sit behind a microphone um, because... uh, well, it's a whole lot safer than saying it face-to-face. <laughs> no, I make no apologies for what the Bible is actually saying about husbands and wives. Um, and I, I want to encourage you, kind of, uh, Josh, you kind of said something about this too, and that's that um, if something twigs within you because of something that we're reading from the Scripture, you need to ask yourself the question, why is that? Um, because there's probably something out of alignment that needs to be looked at. That's exactly right. Yeah, and and uh, our culture oftentimes informs us more than what God actually uh, informs us by uh, through his word. Yeah, when I go to my small group, I, I meet with a small group every week, and we look at the sermon, and it's sort of an inside joke, and I don't know if they'll like that I share this, but they're not here, and I have a microphone. So uh, <laughs> sometimes uh, the 
usually the first question that's asked is, you know, what stood out to you in today's message? But sometimes we'll pose it like, what did you like the least in today's message? Yeah. <laughs> because that's the thing, just like you're saying, the, the yeah. thing that stings you is probably the area yeah. where God wants to do the work. Yes. Mm-hmm. So pay attention. Pay attention to those little stings, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, I was looking at this section uh, uh, in First in Peter chapter 3 um, about what it means to be a wife that uh, is faithful uh, and what it, what it is to be a faithful husband. And in both sections, um, they, it started in the same way. Um, it's starting in uh, verses uh, 1 through 6 of 1 Peter 3. Um, it starts off with this, this phrase, in the same way, dot, dot, dot. Uh, and then later on, uh, in the next section, it says, in the same way, husbands. So right away, that should cause you to pause and say, in the same way as what? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I went back to see if I could find what they were referring to. This goes all the way back to um, chapter 2, verse 21, which says, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Um, So there's a section immediately after that that talks about slavery. Uh, Then there's another section that talks about husbands and wives. So what does it mean to suffer to do good even when it means to suffer. As Christ did. As Christ did. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So let's uh, let's talk about wives first. Um, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 5 says, Have this same mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped at. Um, but he emptied himself. This is a lot of the time we think of this as being the call of the husband alone. But if you if you put this into the context um, of marriage, I think that this also applies to wives. First um, Peter chapter three verse one says, "In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands." So the key word here is accept. If you want your marriage to thrive, like Peter. Peter is suggesting, he says, that the wife must accept the mantle of her husband's leadership. God has placed that mantle upon your husband. And so in a sense, it's kind of like a spiritual discipline for you to willfully place yourself under the authority of your husband. Now, why should a woman do this? Well, in verse 4, it tells you why. It says, let your beauty be the hidden person of your heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. So this is really, like I said, it's a spiritual discipline. Um, it's something that, that God desires for wives. Um, it's um, similar to the, the, the verse that, uh, in Romans that talks about uh, presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual Worship. So think of willfully placing yourself under the the mantle of your husband's leadership as a form of worship to God. 
That's what we're talking about here. And that is a key on, on how you can have a successful, thriving marriage. Well, what about what about uh, women who are married to guys that are, are really harsh or ungodly? Maybe they're not even believers. Well, there's a whole section that's dedicated to this, um, verses uh, 1 through 6. If you have a chance to go back, that whole section in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 is all about what to do when you're married to a man who is not a believer. So if, if this makes you uncomfortable— what I'm saying, I, enc- I really do encourage you to prayerfully seek God on the reason why that's bothering you. Because maybe, maybe it's because you came from an abusive relationship, or maybe um, the idea of anyone having authority over you for any reason makes you feel unsettled. If that is the case, I want to encourage you to call our Care Ministries line, uh, which we will be uh, mentioning at the end of this podcast. Now, for you husbands. You have one whole verse here that we're looking at, and uh, at least to, according to one commentary, which I thought was a really good way of putting it, there are three C's of a husband's calling. They are consideration, chivalry, and companionship. Mm. Um, consideration is, you know, we, we tend to kind of hold ourselves up as the gold standard of the way that people should live their lives. And the biggest complaint that I hear from from wives about their husbands is that their husbands don't listen to them or or, or um, consider their position on things. They just want to fix their problems. And um, I know that this is a stereotype, but but it tends to be true. So if you if you want to treat your wife in a considerate way, understand how she thinks. Understand, you know, what makes her tick. Study your wife and um, and and approach her in a way that um, that helps her to feel that she is loved. Um, the second one is chivalry. We don't talk about chivalry. That sounds like some kind of old-fashioned thing. But um, in chapter three, verse seven, it says this kind of controversial statement. It says, "Treat your wives with respect as the weaker partner." I thought, wow, okay, how am I going to explain this one? Well, th- this is what it means. Back in the days when when this was written, you think about the jobs that people had to make a living. And they were all jobs that were manual labor. And most of us know— There were no accountants? There may have been accountants. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> but they weren't sitting in an office. They weren't sitting in an office, Yes. I think most people would recognize that men physically are stronger than women. In general? In general, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's a few women that I would uh, say are the exception to that for sure. But as a general rule, men are physically stronger than women. And as a result, we read this throughout the scripture too. When a, when a husband would die, his wife would become destitute mm. because, well, culturally that was uh, – just kind of the way that things work, but there were also manual labor jobs. So the, the point of this whole, that verse is that husbands, you need to protect and provide for your wife. You know, you need to, you need to watch over her as an equal partner. Right. Um, even though you are the one that's bringing home the bacon. Well, I guess they were Jewish. They didn't eat bacon. They did not bring home bacon. No. Which um, was they were breadwinners. Another there we go. struggle that they had. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, we we need as as husbands we need to protect and provide 
um, for our wives. And, and finally, we need to provide companionship for our wives too. Um, now, this was a really radical concept back in Peter's day because back in, the, back at, in those times, men did not tend to look at their wives as being even friends. Right. You know, um, it's a very – that's a relatively new concept um, that is being introduced here. That's the great irony is that people look at these verses and think that they're sexist when in fact – they're changing a culture where women were considered objects and considered possessions. And Peter is saying, no, you need to care for your wife. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's so easy to read some of these verses and to jump to a conclusion as to what it means through the the lens of our own times. In Malachi 2.15, it says, did God not make them one? with a portion of the Spirit in their union. So guard yourselves in the Spirit, and let none of you be faithless to, your, to the wife of your youth. Um, so we are, we are spiritual companions um, in the Lord. Um, so the point for both men and women is the same. To be a good husband and to be a a good wife is to be willing to do what is good, even to the point of suffering, even to the point of suffering. So putting ourselves aside, lifting up the other, mm-hmm. uh, being willing to die to, to one's own desires for the sake of the other. Mm-hmm. And um, Gene, you were going to be talking a little bit more about suffering as well. Yeah. I mean, I think to look at both of your parts the you know the word that comes to mind is that there's a purpose you know there's a purpose behind being a part of the body of Christ and so like what Josh said you're going to not only be a part of the kingdom but you are part of the actual building of the kingdom itself you're you're a part of the building you're part of the temple and then you know that there's a there's a specific purpose for you within marriage if you're married um, and again I'll I'll always put a caveat here that. You know, if if you feel like there is some sort of abuse going on in your marriage, you know, right. contact us and let us walk with you through that. You know, uh, Peter's indication here is that it's not an extreme. There aren't extreme cases in what he's saying. He's saying this is how you should be acting. It doesn't mean that everyone does act that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a purpose. You know, you're you're not just randomly here. So as a, as and again, Josh is doing a good job of saying, you know, these are the last words of a dying man. So he's he's really trying to stress these things to us. And so this idea of suffering, you know, it this is hard because suffering, you know, for what is good, right? You know, because he even says in in First Peter three verse thirteen, now who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? Well, we would hope that answer would be no, but he goes on to say, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. And so one of the, uh, the wrong theologies that we see a lot is, is that if I follow the Ten Commandments, if I do everything that I'm supposed to do, if I'm nice to everybody, if I give alms to the poor, you know, if I serve, if I'm just a good person, then nothing bad should happen to me. Hmm. Nothing bad, sh- and and if something bad happens, then I'm being punished for something. Right. Hmm. But what this says, what Peter is saying is, no, you may do the right thing, 
you may do exactly what God wanted you to do, and there may be suffering involved. And then he uses the, you know, he brings up the excuse remover, which is Christ, hmm. because he says, you know, in verse 18, Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. That's hmm. a key phrase there. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring what? You safely home to God. He suffered a physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So there is going to there are going to be seasons where things hurt. And it may even be confusing to us. Mm-hmm. But this is where God's word can come back and offer us uh, some comfort to say, okay, but Christ suffered as well too. Now And he did everything good. And he did everything right. He didn't yeah. sin. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, what's my response to this? What's my response to, to suffering? Um, because Jesus did say, "Why, God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, he did. You know, the Bible says he turned his back on him. We never have to experience that. So even in our hardest time, God hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. Now, he may be quiet. Mm-hmm. It may be harder to hear, but he hasn't left us. And so he says, I will be with you as you go through these struggles and through these trials. And so if we know we have a purpose and we are part of the temple, we are part of the kingdom of God, and if we are married and we are in a relationship uh, where we are half of a whole, mm-hmm. inevitably in those two in those two arenas, we're going to suffer sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we can begin to realize, okay, I will, this is not... Uh, well, if it happens, it's a win. Yep. You know, really what we're looking at is what's my response here? And I think Peter is trying to grow us into a mature belief of what is what God is doing in our lives and what is happening in our lives. Because if we candy coat it, if we sugarcoat it, and we go, well, everything should just be fine, and then if something bad happens, then I just need to, God, you just need to take it out real quick then I think sometimes we're missing being able to grow. You know, there's plenty of other scriptures that talk about God purifying our faith as we get put in the fire a little bit, you know, and I know that um, Romans 5 talks about, you know, basically growing and, and learning perseverance and our character being changed because we go through hard times. So the great thing about God is if we suffer, there's fruit. There is a purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. There is a reason behind it. Mm-hmm. That's a key right there. The right world there. will punish us, and there's nothing that we get from it. Mm-hmm. It's like the sorrow. There's godly sorrow and there's worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is awful. It leads to death. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. So the same thing with, with suffering is – so if you're going through a time where you're going, I understand this. I feel like I'm hurting. I feel like I'm suffering. I did the right thing, and someone else is still hurting me. Again, Josh said this when we first started, and Doug, you did too. Lean into God. Lean into a community of people who aren't necessarily going to give you the answer. They may not have the answer, but you lean into the community because you are a part of the kingdom of God. You are part of God's family. So you're going to find comfort there just by having other people walk with you through something. And I asked this, uh, you know, I do a care ministries class uh, training and I asked this last night and I got an affirmative yes from all the women who had given birth to children. I said, 
Do you? Yeah, I had to <clears throat> tiptoe into that one because I was like, eh. but they confirmed what I'm about to tell you. Um, once the baby comes out, they don't think about the pain anymore. Yep. But it hurt. But they had to birth something. But once they birthed the child, they did not reflect back on the pain. And I got amens from all the women that had, had children. Mm-hmm. So that's the question maybe to ask is, God, what are you trying to birth in me? Hmm. He may be birthing in you perseverance. It may be nothing more than being able to stand up to a situation and, and not lose your faith. It may be he's teaching you how to rely on him more. He yeah. may be trying to get across to you that you have more in you than what you realize. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the eternal perspective that we talked about before. Absolutely. Is if when you're in the suffering, you can say, this is going to be worth it. Yes. Even when you don't know what it is you're birthing necessarily. Right. That what I'm going through is worth it. Right. Even if in the moment it doesn't feel that way. Right. That there will be some sort of fruit that comes out of it. And so, and we may not realize that till later. Yeah. You know, it may not be immediate. And I think that's another point that even though he doesn't say that in here, I notice in the culture is, is it's this immediate gratification. It's this instant gratification that if I do the quote unquote, the right thing for one minute, that somehow 10 years of ignoring God and not being in community and not reading my Bible or praying is all of a sudden going to be redeemed just because in that moment I decided I was going to make a change. That's the first step of many, maybe. Hmm. So can we can we allow ourselves to say, yes, this hurts. Yes, I'm experiencing a struggle. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't love me, doesn't mean he left me, doesn't mean he forsake me. But turn it into, okay, God, what do you want to do with this mm-hmm. in me? Yeah. Because if we get there, then we're really putting our, which is what I think Peter's saying, then we're really putting our identity in Christ. We're really grasping the fact that we were made for a purpose. And then it's a lot, it gets a little bit easier, maybe a lot easier, depending on the situation, to continue with God. Because it's amazing. I have uh, I have heard people when they give their testimonies, whether in CR or, you know, on stage, on the main stage or whatever, um, while they're going through it, they don't realize their, their struggles. They don't realize people are watching. Hmm. Yes. And their testimony becomes so powerful because someone says, I watched you go through that hard time. And it becomes an encouragement to other people because they continued to praise God. They stayed in their relationships. They stayed in community. And then people are like, okay. And you may actually, if you're listening to this, you may actually be going through something that somebody else is watching you right now and you're offering encouragement even as you go through a struggle. And that is kind of the way that God works because we want it to all be, you know, dandelions and strawberries and cream and, you know, flowers full of, you know, or excuse me, fields full of flowers, and it's not that way. Hmm. It will be eternally, but while we're here, we have to go through some some struggles. So, you know, I, I think as uh, as Christians, sometimes we're a little bit reluctant to actually say that all things work together for good mm-hmm. for those who love God and are called according to His purposes, because it sounds like a like a trite answer. Yep. But when you really stop and think about that truth. Mm-hmm. 
Um, if you're not a believer, not all things work together for your good. I mean, that's that's a that's a. I, I don't think that there's too many things that are much more horrible than suffering for no purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there is a uh, there is a uh, a promise, like you said, yes. that um, that all things will work for your benefit ultimately, even if you can't see it right now. Yeah. That's good. That's a powerful thought. Yep. So as we end, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Gene Beckner. I'm a care pastor. Josh Masters is the associate care pastor. Yes, I should have probably Doug done that Walden at the beginning. Is the associate <laughs> care pastor. And the tailor, uh, a.k.a. Josh, is uh, helping us with uh, at the helm. So we appreciate his help. And uh, let's pray and we'll end today. God, we uh, thank you for Peter and for his testimony, for the words uh, in the Bible. And God, I just pray that you help us to um, lean into you as we go through times where we're struggling or maybe we're suffering. And God, maybe that means uh, that we learn how to turn things over to you. Maybe we learn how to uh, connect with other people, maybe to trust someone with what's going on inside. Uh, But Lord, I just pray that you will develop in us that perseverance and that character and that faith that only comes from having experiences with you. And so, God, we thank you that you are available to us and that you don't leave or forsake us. In Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Care Ministries podcast from Brookwood Church. If you'd like more information about today's topic or you need support, you can call us at 864-688-8355. You can also learn more about Care Ministries by visiting www.brookwoodchurch.org care. And make sure to check out all of our upcoming events and support groups on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash brookwoodcare. We'd love to be an encouragement to you as we walk together in a healing relationship with Christ. Until next time, God bless. I've got a pop screen. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> it protects my peas. Pop, 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 pop,